Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here with Tina Spring. And today, in our pursuit of animal topics, dog topics, we thought, you know, we've covered a whole lot of things, but we don't think we've covered one of the basics of dog training, which is, as trainers call it, the recall. Most people say, I just want my dog to come. So we're going to talk about come and recalls. And if there's, there's really no difference between the two of them, it's just basically two different words for the same thing. But there are different kinds of recalls. So we're going to talk about those. And we're going to give you some hints on how you can improve your dog's recall. So since I introduced the topic, Tina, tell me, when you are talking to your clients and they say, I just want my dog to come to me when I call him, what do you say? Oh, so honestly, this is some of my favorite work to do with a dog. Oh, me too. I think it's really fun. Me too. Right? It's something that, you know, assuming your dog isn't deaf, like the pug, it's fun to teach the dog, in my experience. Now, that doesn't mean that it's always easy. (laughs) That's true. Fun does not necessarily mean easy. (laughs) Right. Right. Because, for example, our dog, Jack, would much rather hang out outside than be in the house where the scary vacuum cleaner lives. So there's a little bit of I actually built a different cue for him that is non-negotiable. But much of the time I do ask him, like, do you want to come in? And if he says no, I'm like, all right, well, then stay out there. It's fine. Like, as long as he's behaving and safe, like, that's all good. So when I'm teaching coming when called, to a new dog, a dog who's, you know, the family's not had the dog before, dog hasn't been taught to come when called. This is one of the few lessons that I actually go over do's and don'ts, because I think we often make mistakes unintentionally that make it harder for the dog to be successful from a human perspective. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I do the same thing. I talk to my owners, okay, we are not going to do this. We are going to do this. And I explained to them that so much of what they do is inadvertent. Yeah. You know, it's not that they intend to punish their dog, but. Right. So my first don't is don't call your dog to do something that they view that's unpleasant. Right. Right. If your dog gets car sick, don't jingle your car keys and call him. Or Rufus is like, no, I'm not coming when called. You're going to put me in the barf mobile. Right. Like the or toenail cutting or a bath or whatever it is that your dog views to be unpleasant. If you need your dog in that situation, like, hey, we're going to have to get in the barf mobile. Sorry, buddy. I go get the dog, put him on a leash, give them treats. I'm going to see again in about 10 minutes in the car and just take the dog to the car. Now, another topic for another day might be the dog who gets car sick. But if there's something I need to do that I know my dog views to be unpleasant, I either call them and we play a little game and we take a break and then we do the unpleasant thing or I just go get them. Right. I don't punish them for coming when called. Right. And that's one of the things that I say to my owners is that you are, you know, remember, punishment and rewards are all in the eye of whoever's receiving it, not who's doling it out. So what we sometimes do is we inadvertently punish our dogs for coming to us. So if you do have to call your dog and throw them in the bathtub, I say the exact same thing. I say, call your dog to them, give them some treats, have a rousing game of tug, then snap on the leash and take him to the bathtub. But you don't want him to have to associate coming to you with something that's nasty. The other thing I tell them, too, is that if come is like a $10 behavior, sits a 25 cent behavior, you got to pay like it's a $10 behavior. So you got to pay well for come. And the other thing I tell them is um, so that if, you know, if sits a, a pat in the head or a good dog or a little bit of kibble, then maybe come is five pieces of hot dog, you know, reward really well for the behavior that you want to reinforce well. The other thing I tell them is reward your dog for coming to you whether you have asked them to come to you or not. So that, for example, every time Zuzu trots up to me, she gets a piece of me. She gets a hi, Zuzu, hi, sweetheart, you know, a scratch on the ears or whatever. So that coming to you is always rewarding for your dog. Right. So I I also don't call them if they're not going to come. So if Marco is already chasing the squirrel across the fenced yard, I'm going to save my breath because every time I say Marco come and he's chasing a squirrel, I'm teaching him 
that come means chase the squirrel. Absolutely. I might wait until the squirrel runs up the tree where Marco can't reach him and he realizes like, oh, stupid squirrel can't get him. Then I might call him because now I have a decent chance that the dog's going to come when called. I'm also not stingy with rewards. This is where, especially the adult humans, we kind of bite it in this regard. Like the dog is out sniffing where the possum has been walking in the backyard. That's very fulfilling for them. And we're like, hey, come in and watch a movie. And the dog's like, why? I'm having a perfectly good doggy moment outside, right? So we do a lot of, hey, come for what a good dog you are. And our dogs are like, this is dumb. Why are we doing this? So I absolutely will have a handful of kibble or a little bit of string cheese or maybe the last bite of my banana. And the dog is going to get something meaningful to the dog. Yes. Not necessarily meaningful to me. Arguably, if I could pick up rabbit poop and put that in my pocket, it would be the highest value reward. Or deer poop. Or deer poop. I just don't really want to carry poop in my pocket any more than I already do. All right. I also don't punish my dog for them letting me catch them. So this is where your dog scares you. So dog sneaks out the front door when the kids are coming in. He spends 45 minutes running around the neighborhood making all the cars go with their brakes. And you finally get your hands on them. That energy in you that your dog's been scaring you needs to be dissipated, but it should not be dissipated scolding the dog for letting you catch him. This can be really hard. I'll help you with it when I get into the do's. So you do just have to celebrate that your dog finally let you catch him and that we need to really work on one thresholds, don't bolt out the door, and two, Coming when called, when mom calls. And then my last don't is don't try the flying tackle recall. Dogs learn exactly how far you can jump. And that generally gets a shorter and shorter distance every month, at least if you're my age. So I don't do the flying tackle recall. It doesn't work very well. Um, I can't really jump all that far anymore. So don't try the flying tackle recall. So now let me give you the do's. So my do's are do use a pleasant voice when you're calling your dog, right? You can say mean things. Oh, absolutely. Yes. You could totally tell your, your Labrador retriever that his parents weren't married and that his mother wears army boots. That's totally fine. But say it in a pleasant voice. That's it. Exactly. I tell people whenever your dog comes to you, you know, even if it's been like, okay, I need to get to work. You can say, hi, darling. I'm so happy to see you, you little dark dickens. You know, just God, I'm so here. Have a hot dog. And yeah, your mom is like ugly. You know, it's just, yeah, you can say anything you want. But you have to be happy when you say it. Yes. Okay. So also call your dog when you're pretty sure he's going to come anyway. Absolutely. So any of us open the refrigerator or a, or any packet with cellophane, any self-respecting, not deaf dog is like, well, hello, mother. Is there something I could do for you? So, you know, if you try to go to the bathroom, they're going to come in anyway. So you may as well call them and get a free repetition of coming when called in. I think that's a great suggestion. Maybe I'm the only one who can't go to the bathroom by myself. But no, no, no. It happens in our house, too. But, yeah, I always tell people it's just don't call your dog if you don't think they can do it. That's just not fair to them. And it's going to ruin your recall. So, you know, start working on on when they can do it. Right. So do call your, do touch your dog every time he comes. Yes. And this is a really simple adjustment. Lots of us, we call the dog, the dog heads in our direction. We go, good job. We keep going and the dog goes back to the squirrel. We're like, darn it. That's not what I meant. So the point of coming when called is that if you needed to save your dog's life by grabbing him, you could. Now, obviously, we don't want it to get that far, but touching your dog, even if it's cuddles, is a part of the exercise. I utilize a drag line, which is as simple as a 15 or 20 or 1,000 foot clothesline tied to your dog's collar for all I care, because you cannot outrun your dog. Like, unless you have a Doberman named Percy, who you can time with a calendar, you cannot 
You will not outrun your dog. You just won't. I love you. You're smart and pretty. It's not going to happen. But you can step on the end of a 30-foot line, call your dog, and reel him in like a little baby Marlin. Having a big party and throwing pepperoni when he finally gets to you. So drag lines are huge helps, in particular for those toy breed dogs who learn that your arms aren't long enough to reach completely under the bed, right? It prevents some of that biting that happens when we're reaching for the pocket wolf that's hiding under the guest room bed. It allows you to get your hands on your dog. Again, I'm not telling you to drag them out mean, drag them out kindly, but it allows you to get a hold of the dog without reaching for them the way that we are prone to Absolutely. The other thing I find with drag lines when I'm working on recalls, especially if I'm working on a recall in an area that's not confined, is what I find is it helps the owner to relax a little bit in working in the recall because they're not terrified that their dog is going to take off and they can't get them. Having a drag line uh, gives them a safety net that allows them to relax and actually perform the come in the way that I want them to do it because they have a little bit of security and they're not afraid that their dog is going to take off. Right. I use them a ton, um, especially when there are children in the household, right? Because children are pretty quick to grab a dog and they sometimes aren't fully aware of how much force they're using when they do that. So by picking up the end of the leash and saying, hey, Frida, come on, let's go this way. Right. I teach kids that that's how we get the dog to move. The way I explain it is it's like taking your hand instead of grabbing you by the back of your shirt. Right. One would be really rude. The other one's really polite. And so we use a drag line. All a drag a drag line can be a leash from the dollar store for all I care. Just cut the handle off, right? You don't want it catching up furniture. Obviously, we want to monitor the dog and not have them consume it. But a drag line, especially for sensitive dogs, allows them to have a little bit more space while we still have a little bit more management over the dog. Okay, when your dog is playing, Call him to you many times, reward him, and then send him to go away, right? So Julie and I are old. We're like Methuselah. We're old enough that we actually played outside as kids. And you learned don't go the first time your mom calls you, right? Wait for the dreaded middle name. Right, absolutely. That's when she means it, right? Because we're like, we're busy playing Red Rover, Like, leave us alone. Stop harshing our mellow. So we learned exactly how many repetitions we could push it before. Because if my mom had to come out to the yard to get you, you may never be seen again. So, but this is an example that kids were, I as a kid was punished for coming when called. I was having a good time playing a game. Like, if you think of all the do's and don'ts I just gave you, this is like a whole bunch of them. I'm having a good time playing being a kiddo. I'm going to have to come in, brush my teeth, take a bath, put my pajamas on and go to bed. That's not fun. Red Rover's fun, right? So we don't want the dog to assume that when we call them, that means the fun's over. Right. So an easy way to do this is when I'm poop scooping, right? I'm out in the backyard scooping poop. I have a little bit of something, something in my pocket. And every time the dogs are playing, I'm like, hey, Fred, come over here. Fred comes over. I'm like, you're a brilliant dog. Here's a piece of your kibble. Go play. And then I just walk away from them. So I have dogs who pretty regularly just check in and go, hey, did you did you need me for something? Like there might be a piece of kibble in your pocket. Right. You know, the other thing that I do when you're talking about touching your dog, one of the things that I encourage owners to do is when we're working on a recall, one is don't say come 7,000 times. Let's say it once. Give the dog a chance to respond. But when the dog does get to you, don't lean forward and give the dog a treat that's a foot and a half in front of you. Put the treat right next to your thigh so the dog learns to come right up next to you to get the treat. And that come means I'm a space invader. Because if they put their head right next to your thigh, you can grab that collar. So that's another way in which I teach them to get the dog closer to them. So the dog is actually making that physical contact with the person too. So that when the person touches them, I'm already touching. I touch my person first. So, but putting that treat right by your thigh gets the dog right up next to you. And if you do that routinely, they learn that that come means I'm a space invader. 
Well, again, I think, so if your dog already has what's called a poisoned cue, if you've taught your dog that come means do not go to the crazy person, I mean, like we've all trained that once or twice, then you're going to have to train a new cue because the dog is like, you never know when she's going to be the crazy person. Don't go to her. Right. She's a lunatic. So, for example, for those dogs, I train here. Because even the most exasperated mother-in-law is going to go, Bob, come, Bob, come, Bob, come here. And so the dog learned, Bob, run away from the crazy person, run away from the crazy person. Okay, now come. If you've lost your marbles with your dog overcoming when called, or if you've called them when they've screwed up and they've gotten punished after that, you may end up having to build a new word. And it doesn't really, there's not magic words, right? Dogs in Russia don't learn come. They learn the Russian word that they use. It doesn't, you know, like you can get your dog to come for touchdown. You can use any word you want. Right. But if you if you poison the word come, then you need to think about another word. And I oftentimes use here as well, because that's one that people are comfortable saying and that they can remember. I always tell them it has to be a word you can remember that you practice and you remember because if you have this cue word for your dog and you can't remember it, it's not going to work very well. So use a word that, that makes sense to both of you. And sometimes words don't work very well. Like my terriers, pretty notoriously, verbal cues are not their strongest cues. But if I use like a whistle from like a referee's whistle, because I can't whistle, true confessions. So we have a referee's whistle and my dogs have learned that that toot means, hey, you need to come over. Okay, so let's talk about the formal recall. So this is that really pretty one that like the AKC dogs do. I always joke that it's the Ben-Hur recall. It's like the one where, that shows that we have dominion over the animals. So the men like this one a lot. It's like, dog, come. Right, and the dog dutifully pivots and comes in a straight line and sits in front of their owner and stares at him adoringly that's a formal recall. The way I teach that is typically I start in the house and then I work outside on a leash and then a drop leash and then they earn their way off of that um, with just a tab and eventually they're naked and they're coming when called. But I toss a kibble away or a piece of cheese. And when the dog turns to look to me to go, hey, do you have more from where that came from? I say, Bob, come. The dog comes in. I raise the treat. I give. I, I put the treat in my hand like a target of where I want the dog's nose to be. And as the dog gets closer, I raise that slowly into an approximation of a sick cue. When the dog sits, they get paid while I'm touching their collar. They're brilliant. We do 10,000 repetitions of that. Not all in one day or you'll bore your dog. So that's the formal recall. If you're doing it, this is one of my favorite games to play with kiddos. If you have kids that are sensitive about their hands being close to a dog's mouth, or if you have a dog who sometimes is a little bit rude about taking treats, a ladle or a bowl that the child can hold is a really good option because it keeps fingers away from mouths. But I give everybody, let's say, 10 pieces of little pieces of string cheese. And we go, I call it the round robin recall. So mom or dad, some adult calls out an order going kind of clockwise around the circle, paying the dog. And then the next person calls, pays the dog, right? And then we do that twice. So the dog figures out like, oh, everybody's calling. And this is what everybody's voice smells like. That was a joke. And then we call kind of across the circle. So that instead of following a pattern, the dog is listening to who's calling them. And then we slowly make that circle bigger and bigger in the yard. It's a great way to tire out your dog, to get your dog responding to your children appropriately, and to include your kids in training. And because everybody only has somewhere between four and six treats, it doesn't take very long. So nobody really loses interest. So that's one of my favorite ones with kiddos. Right. One of the things I was going to recommend with that is I use a lot with kids is um, those solo, those red plastic bowls, because they're, they're great because they have a lip that the kid can hold on to easily and the treat can go in the bowl in order to give it to the dog. And then if the dog actually bites the bowl and it breaks, who cares? It's just a plastic, 
you know, syllable. But I like those because of the rim and it makes it easy for little hands to hold on to. And I've used that with kids that are anywhere from like three to, you know, whatever who's sensitive. So, yeah, I played games like that, too. And I think that's really great. Um, one of my favorite games for helping a dog learn to come is uh, the Come Find Me game, which every trainer has a version of it. It's basically the uh, hide-and-go-seek game. So I give everybody a few treats, and I'm usually in the kitchen with the dog, and then I tell them the order I want them to call. So they go, and like say the dad goes into the downstairs bathroom, and the mom goes into the living room, and the kid goes into the family room, and they all hide. So the first one, the dad says, and I tell him, I said, enjoy this game, because this is the only one I let you repeat the cue on. Right. So the dad will say, Rex, come find me. Rex, come find me. Rex looks and he hones in on dad's voice. And when he gets to dad, dad says, oh, good dog and gives him a treat at the good dog. That's the key. Then he powers down. Then the next person, say the mom who's in the living room, says, Rex, come find me. Rex, come find me. She repeats that until Rex finds her. Oh, good dog gets a treat. She powers down. The boy starts. And he does it. Now, Rex is having a great time. We're playing a game. I get to find the people that I love and I get a treat. This is so cool. I get to use my brain and I'm running around and I get food and it's just great. Meanwhile, every time the next person calls, the person who just called hides again. So the dad may leave the bathroom and go to the stairs upstairs. Or the mom may duck into the dining room or the kid may then, you know, come into the kitchen. So that the next time dad calls, Rex is going to go, ah, I know where he is. He's in the bathroom. Oh, he's not in the bathroom. Where could he be? So he follows his voice. And what I have found is this really is a fun game for everybody. And it doesn't take a whole lot of round robins for everybody to have a good time and the dog to understand that this is a great game. And I had one client who's, they were a family of, uh, they had four kids and they, everybody was doing this. And what they found with their dog is if she was out in the backyard and they needed to call her in, if they just called her, she'd kind of look at him. But if they said, oh, Bella, come find me, she perked right up. This is a game, man, and came prying into the house. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to give people a lot of different ways to call their dog or get their dog to connect to them so that if the first one doesn't work, it's okay. I've got backup plans here. And come find me is a great backup plan that I have found. Yeah, no, I think that's, it's lovely. And I, I do a ton of playing hide and go seek with puppies and, and adult dogs too. Like I, I played it the other day with Marco in the backyard cause he was being a goofball trying to bark at all the deer. All right. So another one I really like with kids is look what I found. So it's really easy to be like dog come and to sound cross with them, to, to put a lot of pressure on them. Our body language when we're doing that formal recall is often pretty frontal and kind of, well, it can be misread by a dog that they're in trouble. So this game softens our body language a little bit and decreases. It's an excellent one for the dog who likes to add jumping up to coming when called, right? Which I would tell you is probably functional, but this tends to help with that. So you and I both know if there was a morsel of food on the floor or in the gra in the grass, your dog would find it before you would, but they don't, they don't know that. So I put a treat on the floor between my feet or on the ground between my feet while the dog is distracted. And then I say, you know, Marco, look what I found. And I'm like pointing with a big, giant, flashy, pointy finger to the treat on the ground. When Marco comes over to eat that treat, I touch his collar. What a smart dog you are. Go play. So you're driving the dog's attention down to the ground or the grass. And you're touching their collar kind of as a part of petting. So they're getting, if your dog likes tactile, they're getting some tactile um, appreciation for a job well done, but they're not jumping up. And you can, like for kids, use shredded cheese or shredded chicken. Oh, not for getting the child to come when called. No, that would be, that would be Kit Kat or Skittles, right? Skittles, right. So if I want to slow the dog down and keep them occupied in that head down position a little bit longer, I might throw shredded cheese or if I'm really sneaky, some Parmesan cheese that they have to really work at to find the tiny little morsels in the grass. Oh, I like that. I like that. It's also honestly a really good one 
to work on if you have a dog who's a tiny bit reactive, right? So you, out of the corner of your eye, see that the neighbor's dog is approaching your fence because your neighbor somehow let them slip out the door and missed it. Um, I want to ideally get a hold of my dog before that becomes a problem. And so drawing your attention down, you're not then just sitting there staring at the dog coming at the fence, potentially creating a problem. So I do a lot of, hey, look what I found. I do this in the house. If I'm, you know, making scrambled eggs and a little bit of scrambled egg hops out of the pan and onto the floor, I stand there and let it cool. It's going to be covered in dog hair, so I'm not going to eat it. But I'll wait for it to cool for a couple of minutes and then call a dog over. Here, you're, you're going to do a better job cleaning it up than I do. You know what else I like about that? What you were saying is that you could do the, oh, look what I found. The dog immediately looks down. But then you know what you can do? I just thought about this. It would work really well. You can do your one, two, three thing to then walk in the other direction. One, two, three, throw it down. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. So you've got the dog's initial attention by look what I found. And then you can divert the attention and walk away from the fence. So I think that that's really cool because you can then use two different things. And so instead of reacting and, and getting all upset because there's a dog charging the fence, it's like, hey, cool. You found this. I got even more for you if you follow the one, two, three. So I think that that's a terrific thing. So I think that what we're talking about here is remembering that, as I tell people, I said, you know, if you were to say to me, Julie, come, I would like be really hesitant to go to you and probably wouldn't because it would be scary. So I tell people, I don't care the adjective you use, but think in terms of light, lyrical, happy, fun, musical, whatever adjective works for you, that's what I want to hear in your voice, because it's more likely to be appealing to your dog and not going to put them off to come to you. So try to use that happy, lyrical tone. The other thing is, is it makes it a lot happier for you. I find if I'm using those dark, deep tones, I start to become dark and deep, but the lighter lyrical tones help to keep me light. Well, and likewise, you don't, likewise, you don't want to, you also don't want to sound frantic, right? If you're screeching because you're totally freaked out that your dog's going to get hit by a car. Yeah. You don't sound like you don't seem safe to approach. So there is a little bit of now I will, this is, this is kind of a funny story. Years ago, I had a board and train and we had two golden retriever puppies for a family. Um, and one loosely belonged to the wife and the other one loosely belonged to the dad. And we love the dad. The dad is hysterical. He's one of my favorite people, but he uses a very gruff tone. So when we were training lefty to come when called, we were like, lefty, come. And all of a sudden the trainer I was teaching the dog with, coaching the dog with when we were practicing, we looked at each other and went, oh, he's not going to do it that way. <laughs> so all of a sudden we're going lefty. Get over here. Now, the reality is I'm sure my neighbors were like, what's wrong with Tina? Like, she's lost her marbles. But I, if I know that as a handler, I'm going to sound grouchy, I got to make that make salmon happen, right? Like, I'm hard of hearing. I come from a long line of yellers. I'm going to yell. Like, it's not my, like, it's not my best character trait, but it is nonetheless one that's probably not going to change. So when I get a new dog in our household, I'm like, hey, and give them a piece of cheese so that they go, okay, well, when the crazy, you know, when that lady shrieks at us like a jerk, it makes cheese happen. And I counter condition the dog that maybe that's not so bad. Like, don't be quite so worried about it. So in the case of Sweet Lefty, we use some kind of like what we were pretty sure was going to come out of dad's mouth. Like, get your took us over here without the Yiddish and be real stern because that's how he's going to talk to the dog. And I'm not in the business of telling people to be anything other than who they are. He's very loving to his dog. He just has a really gruff tone of voice when he's talking to him. So we needed to prepare the dog for that and not take it personally. Now he also had the puppy that was a little bit more of a barnstormer, not the delicate flower that the other puppy was. So it worked out fine that Lefty was more dad's dog, right? Because he was the more rough and tumble and not take things personally puppy. All right. So from Jen Shryock, shout out to Jen at Family Paws. We have the come now 
exercise. This is super easy to teach. So you hold like a whole bunch of pieces of really high value stuff, say a little bit of roast beef. You have to do this in a room with no dogs and no distractions and then let the dog drag their leash. You pick a magic word. In the case when I'm working this with families, each human has to build their own word. They don't get to steal someone else's word. So for the purposes of this exercise, we're gonna use the word dog. So I say dog in a happy voice. I back up five to 10 feet and I give 20 seconds of treats one at a time while I praise the dog and I'm backing up, right? We call that fine dining around here. Okay. So at the end of that 20 seconds, I'm like, oh, it's very sad. And I walk away and the dog's like, wait, no, what just, what just happened? It was the best day ever. And now it's over. And then we do it again. So over the course of many weeks, what you get is a dog that when you say dog, they're like, yes, ma'am. Here in Athens, Georgia, there's a lot of touchdown used as this cue. You can choose whatever cue you want. People have given me some pretty, really funny ones that they use. Works great. For Jack, I use this exercise to teach him in, which meant no matter what you're doing outside, you must come in the house. You must come in the house. And I had to use cheese and venison. You have a similar, like it's not negotiable. You have to come in whether you want to or not. Yeah. I got the name from Leslie Nielsen, the really reliable recall. It's similar to what she does. And that's real similar to Jen's. And I think you're going to hear the similarities and understand that this is also something I will do with my dogs for months before I actually use it as a recall to get them to come to me. So what I do is, because I've had a lot of retrievers and they love to play fetch, what I always do is I pair this with two things. For my dogs, you can use a word, like you said, or I use a whistle. My dogs have a special whistle. And so what I do is when I'm playing fetch with my dog, I'll throw the ball for Zuzu. And as she's running towards me, I do this whistle for her. And then when she gets to me, I have her drop the ball. I throw another ball. She goes out after that one. When she's running towards me, I do the whistle again. And so the whistle, and sometimes there's treats involved, but there's always playing involved. So I pair it with two things. One, that she's running towards me. And two, we are really having fun. We're doing something she loves. And there could be roast beef involved as well. So that what I'm doing is I'm making sure that she understands that running towards me means really good things are going to happen. And I pair it with that whistle. So that the whistle means run to mom, good things happen. And I will do this. I remember when I started doing this with my first dog, Bingley, and this is a dog who would have played fetch from, I don't know, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. Not that I'd let him do that, but I play fetch with him every day. And every day I would do this whistle. Every time as he was coming towards me, I did that whistle. And so what I found was after about four months of playing fetch with him every day, and having the whistle, doing the whistle every time he's running towards me, it's always why we're having fun, oftentimes paired with food, but with he loved balls more than anything else. So after about four months, he got out of the fence, and I figured he'd gone up on the park of the hill next door to us. So I thought, well, let's see what happens. So I did his whistle, and I waited. Turns out my neighbor was up on the hill, and she said he stopped, and he looked, and then he took off like a shot and came flying down the hill to me. And I have a great video of Clementine and Zuzu doing exactly the same thing. We had them in a field. They were off lead. They were down playing in a river or a big stream that's nearby. I couldn't see them. They couldn't say me. They're having a grand time playing together in the stream. I do the whistle and the two of them, you see them. I'll, I'll include the video on the webpage flying to me. And it's the same kind of thing. Exactly what you talked about. You paired that particular word with coming to you and a whole lot of wonderfulness, right? I did the same thing. I just incorporated play as well. And so for my dogs who love to play fetch, this is great because this word means I have to get to mom because good things like fetch and food are going to happen. So I think that the key thing to remember here is that it always has to be positive. It always has to be done with the dog coming towards you and that you do it enough so that it really becomes ingrained that this sound means I have to hightail it to mom or I have to hightail it to whoever says that word because it means good things are going to come. And that's how you build 
you know, sort of that instant recall or that really reliable recall. So let's talk a little bit about the dog who doesn't fetch and doesn't come when called, right? The dog that for whatever reason, family's been trying to teach that dog to come when called for a really long time and they've been completely unsuccessful, right? Dog doesn't really check in, right? It's really difficult. So for those dogs, this is how I typically am teaching it because very rarely am I getting a puppy that I can just start from day one. And the last puppy I raised was a feral dog from Turks and Caicos. So coming to the human was not in his original software. So we want the dog to come when called. And most people, in my experience, eventually want a dog who's off-leash reliable. Absolutely. So I will tell you, coming when called and politely leash walking are the same behavior. It's, are you in this sphere of influence, in the um, gravitational pull of a handler sufficiently that you stay in connection with them? So for this, I use somewhere between a six-foot leash and a 50-foot leash that's attached to the dog. I have very, very high quality treats and I have something that reinforces me too so that I stay patient. So I have my treats. I have my patience. I prime the pump. So when I go to take the dog outside, I wait at the back door. Dog sits. I give them three pieces of roast beef. What a smart dog you are. I open the door. I release them to go out the door. I stand there giving them like, I don't know four inches of leash. And when the dog turns around and says, Hey, do you have any more of that roast beef? I pay them again. I say, okay, go dog goes three more steps. I call them pay, pay, pay. So they know I've got really good stuff. And then I slowly give the dog a little bit of leash. So each time the dog gets distracted, I, I put a break on the leash. I hold on to it and I just stand there and wait. I don't say anything. Right. I also don't follow them. When the dog eventually gets bored with where they are and goes, hey, you're kind of a boat anchor back there, I reward heavily and then let them walk again. They get distracted by something else. I stop. I might stand there for 40 minutes. Again, this is where Skittles come in handy, right, that I can reward myself for being patient. I listen to a podcast while I'm doing it. Dog finally checks in. I heavily reward, let the dog go again. And then eventually I get to a point where like the dog is out in the yard and each time they check in with me, I pay them and send them to go play again. When I can predict, okay, this is about the sequence where the dog is going to check in. Then I start adding a recall in. So I do it the way I teach all behaviors. I get the behavior first and then I add the cue. Because if I'm cueing a behavior that has zero probability of occurring, now I'm just teaching the dog to not do the thing. And I have had families who have, you know, the dog and the family team have got it so far off in the ditch that they have to start with open the back door, put hot dog on the stoop on the outside of the door, close the door and go back in the house and wait to see how long it takes the dog to come and get the hot dog. Because literally they have to prime the pump of somebody coming out the door. It doesn't mean something bad's happening. It means there might be hot dog at the back gate. So we get a dog who eventually I open the door and hot dog happens inside, and then they get to go right back out again. So there's all different ways to build this. And it to a certain extent, if either you have a dog who for whatever reason isn't bonded really to people at all or has had very bad experiences or is stressed in the house, they would really rather just be outside. Right. Well, you know, one of the things I was thinking when you were saying, how are you going to do it? I wrote down four things that I would do in that situation. And I was like, I'm so proud of myself because I think I predicted Tina. I said I would have a, a drag line, a leash. I would do very small distances to start. I would have a super high value reward. But the one thing and the other thing I was going to say, and you touched on this, is I would also start doing relationship building exercises inside and out. So things like park and pay. I would start park and pay. Yes. Because what you need to do is you need to build that relationship with your dog. I would not be free feeding my dog at all. No. I think every piece of kibble would be coming from me. You need to build your relationship with your dog. 
I will say this, like I'm working with a dog right now. He has like the kindest owner in the world. Like he has a really sweet owner. He's a really nice dog, but somewhere this dog views training as pressure and he just shuts down. He just crumbles. Right. So my instinct for my dogs would be pick the dog food bowl up, put his food in my pocket and have him work for food. This dog might just choose to starve instead because he's stressed and we can't really, we haven't figured out quite yet what's stressing him. So for that dog, while my gut is like pick the bowl up and do everything as relationship building, all of the relationship building we've tried to do with him, he thinks is awful and he doesn't want to do it. He thinks it's terrible. So I personally think there's something medical going on, but I don't know. Like I'm not a veterinarian. And I'm not even really sure what to have the owner ask the vet. Yesterday, I said to Stephanie, I I don't know what's going on with that dog. And she's like, it's been a really long time since I've heard you say that, (laughs) right? He's kind of an interesting kiddo. I wonder, now, is she trained with treats? I wonder if he's got some digestive tract issues that get triggered. So he he doesn't appear to have digestive tract issues. He's owned by a dude who's awesome. And I will say we did identify that the dude was nagging him a little bit in the beginning because the dog doesn't check in, right? So he like says the dog's name a thousand times. And so we were like, stop using his name. Like literally do not say his name this week. And he was like, I didn't realize how many times I said that dog's name until you told me I wasn't allowed to do it. Now he's back to saying the dog's name. And he's been pairing the dog's name with food for a month. And the dog still doesn't really check in so he's it's an interesting critter yeah that is an interesting conundrum and you know the thing is 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 i think that that people think that trainers have all the answers and i gotta tell you there's numerous times when my clients will be talking to me and then they'll say oh and then this and then they start describing something and i'm listening and i'm trying to keep my face very passive but inside i'm going holy cow holy cow holy cow holy cow And I calm myself down and I usually say, okay, let's start to pick this apart. Let's take a look at the components of what's going on here and what do we need to address. But we don't have all the answers all the time. There are some times that things come up to us. We're just like, I don't know. This is what I know has worked in the past. Let's try some new things. Let's try this. If this doesn't work, doesn't mean we don't have other options. And that's also why we talk to other trainers. Because there are so many things that I learned from you that I then put into my practice, which makes my practice a whole lot better. So just because your trainer may not have the instant answer doesn't mean she she or he won't get the right answer for you. Well, and again, like for this dog, he's really, really fascinating. Like he's really lucky he has the owner he has, right? Because his owner loves him a ton. And really would do pretty much anything for him. But yeah, really interesting dog. And I'm not entirely sure what's going on because he's a little bit Jekyll Hyde, right? Like if he's doing something he wants to do, he's super animated and excited. And if we're like, hey, look, there's chicken and cheese and we're doing all these other things. He's like, yeah, I don't really care all that much. So it's interesting. So is he not food motivated at all? No, he's he is. He is. He's even a little bit chubby. Right. So we're cutting food back like we're doing the things and we'll sort it out. But he's definitely interesting. He's going to teach me some stuff, which I appreciate always. So that dog, like one of the big issues is he doesn't come when called, because when you try to call him, I'm not sure he hears you. Like literally said to the owner, are we sure he can hear? And he's like, I think he can. He's like, if you say his name, he flicks his ear. I'm like, okay, But sometimes it's. I will say the number one complaint I get from people who have a deaf dog is that their dog doesn't come when called. He won't listen. I'm like, great, because he's deaf. So that is something sometimes to like take off the list, right? Like, can the dog hear? So the pug, I am slowly trying to teach him that when the porch light turns on, I want him to come when called. Ah. I mean, we've had him two years. He hasn't figured it out yet, but you know, maybe one day. Yeah, you just, uh, you have to be creative. He just follows the other dogs, which works fine. Or or he forget he or he doesn't notice that everybody else goes in. And then you just close the door. And like five minutes later, there's a pug going, ma'am, there's a pug outside with a little querulous look on his face. Well, Clemmy, as our listeners well know, 
is a bit of a naughty dog, can be kind of challenging. Clumbers are not known for their recalls. Go figure. But Clemmy's got a pretty good recall. But there are times when she's like, yeah, I hear you. I'm just, I'm on the track of a rabbit. So one of the things that I've really worked on with my husband, he's been great about, is being patient. So that when Clemmy does eventually make that decision after running back and forth across the field and he whistles and she does come, he reinforces that really well. And he's never angry with her and he's always really happy and reinforces it. And we're seeing an improvement that she's coming faster and faster. So sometimes you just have to work. Remember that you're working with the dog that you have, not the dog that you perhaps wish you had. And I think that's a really important thing to understand is that all of our dogs have their strengths and their weaknesses. Zuzu's got an absolutely fabulous recall. Zuzu, on the other hand, is not all that wild about riding in cars. But she, she did her first trip in my new truck and did really well. So I was pleased with that. Um, she's also hypersensitive when it comes to touching her paws and stuff. So, you know, we've got chal- every dog has its own set of unique challenges. If your dog doesn't come when called, it may be that you just need to think about changing up the training a little bit, increasing the reward, try smaller distances. One of the things I tell owners is don't call your dog, as you said too, Tina, don't call your dog if you don't think they can do it. Like if your dog is across the yard and you don't think that she can come, don't ask. Or the one thing you could do is you can ask once and see what happens. The dog looks at you and goes, no, sorry, you can't ask again. So what I'd suggest is, why don't you have the distance to your dog? Walk calmly and quietly halfway across your yard. Try it again. Maybe she'll come that time. If she doesn't, have the distance again. Keep having the distance to your dog until you get to the distance that she does come to you. Now you've got some really valuable information. Now you know what her recall distance is in the yard. You can work with that and slowly start to increase it. Well, I'm moving. One of the things, and I see this with polite leash walking too, like people get stuck. The dog's pulling, they're pulling. Now we nobody's moving. I'm like, okay, well, now you guys are just stuck. I see a lot of people who stand still and call their dog. I'm like, just walk, move. You're way more interesting to your dog if you're moving. You have no idea how many dogs I've caught out like running in traffic by me squatting down and looking at something fascinating in the grass and make it a big deal out of that. The dog totally will come over and be like, what'd you find? Did you find chicken wings? It sounds like you found pizza, right? The dog comes over. I'm like, what a good dog you are. Put a leash on him. Now we have a dog who's not getting hit by cars in traffic. And there's lots of things we can do to make ourselves more interesting. Turning out, standing still, making a mean face, using a harsh tone does not make us more approachable by our dogs. By dog standards, that's how not to get them to come when called, right? The same way that if somebody calls me and is like, listen, you jerk, you better return this call right away. I'm like, you're going to the bottom of the list. Because like, no, I don't want to call somebody who's going to yell at me. That's silly. Right. Well, one of the other things I tell owners is, is one of the ways you can practice getting your dog to come to you is if you're in the yard and they're sniffing around, say their name, get all excited and run away from your dog. Because suddenly you're playing tag and they're it and they have to come get you. So running away from your dog can really work to get your dog to come to you. And then I usually stop. Good girl. Big hug. Lots of treats. Throw a ball. Whatever. So, yes, movement is a great way to get your dog to come to you. Yeah. I don't tend to run away from them because I don't – I've had too many dogs learn to jump on people's backs Ah. with that particular exercise. So – I'm always hesitant to use that one, but I might back up, right? I might back up quickly, checking my six to make sure I'm not going to run into a tree. But I don't don't do a lot of turn and run. Ah, okay. We'll just talk about the fact that movement itself is intriguing to your dog. So even if you don't run away from it, you could be running around in little circles or you could be jumping up and down. You could do something. Yeah, it depends on the dog. Well, I think that we've covered a lot of different aspects of come. I think that people need to realize that your dog can have more than one kind of recall. We can have the come when you're ready call and we can have the I need you come I need you to come right now call. And both of those are very manageable things to teach to your dog. If you have any questions about it, be sure to find a, a positive reinforcement trainer who does use a lot of food and can help you 
teach your dog how to come. And if you're really stuck and you feel like, gosh, I just don't know what to do and we've tried this and things haven't worked, all the more reason to get a positive reinforcement trainer to get on board to help you with this. Yeah, because it turns out that that shocking your dog on the neck doesn't make them find you more approachable. No, it doesn't. Or choking them. Like there was the old one where you used to have the the choke chain with the line and you jerk down on the choke chain if the dog didn't come right away. I haven't found that to be very successful either in teaching my dog to come to me. Well, I mean, it it works great until you don't have a leash. And the dog's like, ha, 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 joke's on you. Okay. So, Tina, any other last words on recalls that you want our our owners to know about? What I would say is when you call your dog and they ignore you, instead of getting upset, go, oh, oh, this is a situation we haven't trained for. That's all. And it may be that a verbal cue is not the best one that you need to use clapping, or like I said, a referee's whistle. I mean, everybody has a grandmother who shakes the milk bone box, right? Heck, lots of cats come to the can opener, right? The sound of the electric can opener. What I would say is using, for example, like if you have some cool whistle you and only you on the planet can do, then I might condition some things that everyone can do, like blow in a referee's whistle or crinkle a paper bag. I, for example, cannot whistle. And so if you've beautifully trained your dog on some cute little whistle that I can't do, then I can't call your dog if you haven't trained something else too. There are not magic words. There are not magic sounds. But making sure that it's something that most people can do who are going to be managing your dog or taking care of your dog helps set everyone up for success, right? Right. I oftentimes have them choose a word like here that can be long and loud you can hear over a distance because you may not always have a squeaky toy on you but hopefully you always have your voice so choose a word that you say in a particular way this can be really fun work to do the dogs start to think it's really funny it becomes very much a good game of like you said catch me come find me instead of the other way around it's a really fun game the dogs like it you can hide behind all sorts of weird stuff like my dogs think it's hysterical when i hide behind a tree in the backyard you can hear them all muttering to each other like the silly old woman got herself stuck behind a tree again. She can't find her way home. Yeah, we, we, we should probably go get her because, you know, she's never going to come out if we don't bring her out. It's just so sad. Well, thank you all for joining us for Your Family Dog, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.